Hey, first of all, fam, if you are in New York between August 23rd and September 18th only, you can go check out an amazing new play presented by the Ma Yi Theater Company called Once Upon a Korean Time. It's by Daniel K. Isaac, and it is mixing traditional Korean fables with the horrors of the Korean War. So it gets really deep, but it's funny and deeply moving. It's an analog for the experiences of the Korean-American diaspora. He moves through his characters through time and traces the legacies of trauma that's passed down from one generation to the next and the various coping mechanisms that each one uses to soldier on. Something that I've definitely dived into, and first of all, and can deeply relate to. So uh, I hope you guys will go check that out. The show features sea kings, bubbles, tigers, generational trauma, and barbecue. Definitely an interesting mix. And it's the professional playwriting debut for Daniel K. Isaac, who's a writer for The Billions, The Chinese Lady. Um, it's at... La Mama's Ellen Stewart Theater in New York City. It's a very limited engagement, again, August 23rd through September 18th only. And tickets are now available by visiting ma-yi-theater.org. I'm going to spell it out for you because theater spelled a little differently and there's a hyphen. So it's M-A hyphen Y-I-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org. And we have our exclusive code for First of All listeners, it is, first of all, all caps for $30 tickets, valid through September 1st only. So limited engagement further. Go check it out. Enjoy the show. Dive into a different world. Feel all the feels and have a great time. And then let me know what you think about it. You're listening to Hey guys, welcome back to First of All, a real unfiltered conversation on career, family, relationships, and culture. I'm your host, Minji Chang. I'm an actor, producer, and filmmaker here to share inspiring stories and to walk through everyday life with you. Hope you guys are doing well, staying safe and sane and healthy and joyful and peaceful, all the good things. What a time to be alive, right? Welcome back. Uh, We are here with episode 178. And I'm really excited to introduce this conversation and our guest because this is a doozy. It's a very layered and complicated topic. And I love hearing from people who are so passionate and intelligent where I get to hear and learn from their insightful perspectives. And our guest this week has all of that in spades. I just learned a lot from her. I'm empowered by her and it's so happy to have her on first of all. So this week's guest is Sammy Jane. Sammy is an amazing woman that I got to meet through our mutual friend, Ronnie Chang, uh, the comedian, who is also incredibly intelligent, funny, talks about really layered topics in insightful ways. And uh, he's friends with her amazing husband, the actor Desmond Chiam. And uh, shout out to Des. Congrats on the new show. He is on the show Partner Track on Netflix. Um and so that's an exciting new thing that she she's the she's his proud wife, like super amazing wife. And she's also just a powerhouse in and of herself. And uh, yeah, we just I saw a Facebook post of hers where she dives into the intra racism that Asian Americans and Asian the Asian diaspora uh, happens to exhibit and experience on this very regular basis and how problematic it is and how we have this very complicated relationship with like racial purity and all these different passive aggressive and sometimes just aggressive 
perspectives that we have when it comes to interracial relationships, interracial children, um, the hierarchies, the superiority complexes, all of it. It's so it's it's a lot for people to live through and experience. And then also for us to observe and like sanction and internalize and deal with. So there's a lot there. Like I said, it's a really layered topic. But after reading this really insightful Facebook post that Sammy posted, because she's such a great outspoken person who's who says what she really thinks very regularly in such a clear way that I really respect and like, uh, decided to bring her on to talk about it. Because I think we're in this transition phase, not in transition, we're at this moment in like humanity and histories specifically in like this racial conversation in in these states um, where I think we can afford to get a lot more introspective and more specific and more granular about things. We've gotten over these like broad stroke topics of like racism is bad and it's not enough to not, just not be racist. It's important to be anti-racist. But in order to be anti-racist, I think we have to go inwards, look at our own selves, our own biases, our own prejudice, how that shows up, and then also go through the discomfort of talking about them amongst our peers, friends, and colleagues, families, that it just requires us to kind of step up our game instead of just being neutral and not participating in the conversation, hoping it all goes away, you know? So anyway, that is what we're here to talk about this week and um, share our respective experiences you know sammy has a very different background than i do and we can dive into that and just have our points of view because we're speaking from our experiences and we're not just like pulling stuff out of vapor and speaking on behalf of others so i i just appreciate sammy for coming in to have this really honest conversation that i don't know i don't know how other people may receive it but here we are and we'll do our very best to like shed some light on that to be honest, to learn from one another, hopefully spark some questions and you know, forward thinking from anybody who's tuning in. So a little bit more about Sammy before we get into the episode. She is the former director of operations for the Core Dance Crew, and she's had such a diverse background working in a variety of industries. She's worked in healthcare, social media, entertainment, finance, and even the government. She has seen so much, which you can just, you'll know this as soon as you hear her talk because she's such such a smart, like passionate person. You get to know her better in this episode. And she also is the proud wife and biggest fan to Desmond Chian. I also want to say I love their love. And it's just she dotes on him so openly and dotes on the other doters, all the people fangirling over her husband. She's like there to support and like gas him up even more. It's the cutest thing. So yeah, super happy to have Sammy on for the show. And I hope you guys enjoy this really honestly like just thought-provoking conversation on asian racism and racism in general enjoy hi i'm shinyi pai host of the podcast blue suit in a world full of stuff what do we choose to hold on to the blue suit is a podcast about commonplace objects and the people who transform them into something remarkable. From an inherited Chinese English dictionary to an old caliphone playing records left behind by Japanese Americans incarcerated during World War II, our podcast showcases modern day artifacts of Asian America and what gets elevated to heirloom status. Find it by searching for the blue suit wherever you get your podcasts. Take 
There's no lifelines. Life Cutting the teeth on the move. <laughs> Nobody's filling these shoes. <laughs> Hello, Miss Sammy. Welcome to First Fall. Hello, Miss Minji. Thank you for having me. <laughs> that Vegas voice you got going. <laughs> How are you? I am well. I am well. It is a beautiful day in Los Angeles. And, you know, I'm, I'm just happy to be here right now. Good. I'm so glad to be here. I was just telling you earlier offline that, uh, yeah, it's been a minute since I've podcasted. I feel a little bit like I'm jumping back into the pool right now. I was like, do I remember how to do this? I'm sure you do. And like having listened to the old episodes, like this is just going to be like getting back on a bike for you. Oh, thank you. What did you listen to? I'm honored. I still, it's, girl, it's been like five years. I'm still like, people listen to my show. Oh my gosh. Stop. But people should be listening. You are fantastic. I, I actually listened to a few episodes. I, I was hopping around because I'm more of a subject listener. I think mm-hmm. this is very subject based. So I was like, oh, I want to listen to this. Like I listened to your um, section on, I believe it was like personal finance with Melly. Ooh. Uh, oh, oh! I did the social media one recently, and what was the other one? It was such a good one. Oh, it was in, it was in 2020, and you were talking with I'm I can't remember her name, but it was a beautiful episode where you were both talking about how do I become a better person, like what is being oh. a good person about. That was such a good episode. Thank you. Wow. Honestly, I'm like I love. Well, we both know Melly. Um, that one, that finance one, was like. For me, it was it was really I really liked that one just because it was something that's so personal. Like money is such a taboo thing. Um mm-hmm. and to open up about that and for us to both share like our issues with that and to do it in an open space. And then the reaction that we got from a lot of different people on like how much that helped them kind of just like untangle some stuff going on in their mind about that. It I, I was I was really proud of that one. So I'm glad you listened to that. I, I just was really excited, you know, and I'm so supportive of all of my friends and their endeavors. And it was nice to hear both of you speak about something that's so personal, but it's like, you got to talk about the money. You mm-hmm. have to. It's the mm-hmm. only way to get better at it. <laughs> yeah, seriously. And I love that you guys know. She's the one that actually uh, filled me in on how you guys met out in Irvine land. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Way back when. Oh, my gosh. Which so is where long. you and, and the hubby met. Well, I already, yes. I, I, I got to be your hype woman in the intro, but like, would you love to, I would love for you to introduce yourself and how, how you um, like tell people who you are. Oh, like, for sure. I'm fabulous. So, I'm amazing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Ew, um, I like to usually introduce myself as an industry wife because my husband is an actor and I now fit into this lovely and interesting niche of people who are partnered with people in the industry of make-believe and, and all <laughs> that fun stuff. But on top of that, I've had the pleasure of directing the core dance crew, which is like a cosplay dance crew here in Southern California that is just doing some big things like Comic-Con, Anime Expo, you name it. We've been yes. there. And they are just they're so awesome. I love them so much. And that is making dreams come to real life. Um, So, so happy to be there. And, you know, I kind of gave you the rundown, but I've been in so many different industries just by nature of being a support member for so many different executives. Mm -hmm. So like, I I think I mentioned healthcare, finance. um, Oh, now I'm blanking out on them. But (laughs) I also love to tell people that I was a private investigator. So talking to people and getting to know people and really seeing my community and city and world for what it is, is kind of just territory I I have always inhabited. (laughs) 
very skilled at that. That's no easy. That's not an easy job. I feel like it just gives such, uh, I think like in total, like to be able to do all the things that you've done and do and are, um, it just reveals that you have incredible people skills. And I cannot emphasize how important those, I, I mean, I, I don't think we're really living in that world anymore, but there, we have lived in a world that is long, like, deprioritize that in terms of mm-hmm. like they've called it soft skills you know what I mean and I'm like no no totally. no, no I think like being able to uh, navigate relationships and deal with people and to have high EQ all of that and then like having that awareness and the the sensitivity but yet the directness and all of that goes into like that's a that's a big skill set you got there Miss Thing so oh thank you props <laughs> to you props to you well, oh I will God. also say, like, well, shout out also to your wonderful husband, to Des. Oh, I love him. He's working right now. <laughs> oh, yeah? Is, is he the Netflix show? Um, It's the Amazon Prime show with love. <gasps> He's on season oh two. God. Season two. I had so much. I watched that. Okay. Uh, I've, I've admitted this on the show multiple times, but I don't finish a lot of shows. I like to start <gasps> many, even movies. Like, for me... If there's people that are in it that I really care about or I'm really curious about, I'll watch it through. But if I get bored or it's not really engaging, I have a really hard time finishing. Like, I'll just be oh, like, me too. Me too. Yeah. But I watched I, the entire oh season God. of Des, Des' show. I just wanted to let you know. I love you. Thank you. It, honestly, it's such a wonderful show. And even if he wasn't on it, I actually think I would be a big fan because it's such an easy watch and it's so relevant to so mm-hmm. much that's going on. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't have unnecessary drama. Like, not that yeah. unnecessary drama isn't fun for those who enjoy <laughs> it. I'm not going to knock it. I just, every now and then you need a break from like the Games of Thrones and, and yeah. all the murder stuff. Like, you just need a break and you need something that's easy and fun. And that's what With Love is. So I think literally, even if he wasn't in it, I think I'd be a fan. I, 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 I agree. Your, your husband was my gateway. Like I watched it cause I was like, oh my God, it says his new show. I have to watch it. And I was, I stayed because it's a fun show. It was like really sweet, very relevant, like you said. And I think there's so much that we need a time capsule about this insane time of navigating totally. romance and race oh and God. all of that family and all that. It, it packed in so much. So, it really so, did. so proud of him. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Oh my gosh. Well, thank you. Like, honestly, I'll also say this is just to gas both of you guys up. A person can't do their job well if they're not happy at home. So also the fact that like, he's just been kicking ass and you're also so open about your guys' adoration of each other, which I think is so goals and like, it's so beautiful and heartwarming and wonderful. Like that's Aww. also like his success to me as like a fan of both of you. I, I mean, and, and as a, as a woman and as I've not been married, but I've been like as supportive as a girlfriend <laughs> as I can be. I, I understand that that's also goes hand in hand with the fact that like you're an amazing wife to him and oh, he, he raves about you so much. It's so cute. Yeah. Today is actually our 14 year anniversary, believe it or Stop. not. <laughs> Are we recording on your anniversary? Yeah, but he's working. So like, you know, I'm gonna do work. He's going to do work. And then later yeah. on, like, we'll just, we'll hang, we'll chill. It's good. I love it. I love it. I love it. All things um, in balance. No, seriously. Um, I'm so curious about your version of the story of how you guys met, even though that's not what we're talking about in this podcast. <laughs> but it's oh just my like- gosh. I mean, I definitely, so I was in a previous relationship when I first met him. Like we were po- both part of the dance community. He's a break dancer. Um, and I just, you know, did my thing in the dance community as well. No titles. And I met him and I just remember thinking, oh, this guy's cute. 
he would look cute with my roommate. So I tried to set him up with my roommate. (laughs) And karma got me so good though, because when I became single, like a month or two after that, I was like, Hey, you know, that Australian breakdancer was actually pretty cute. So I went after him, but bless his heart, sweet summer boy. He's so oblivious to like romantic inclinations like that Mm -hmm. so I chased him for a month and all of our friends like both of our friends were trying to help me and they were like we don't get it we don't understand why he's not biting and I was like guys it's okay it's not meant to be and finally finally around his birthday which is like at the end of July we had a joint party for him and that roommate I tried to set him up with um, and Uh this is where karma gets me he like out of nowhere turns around and he goes, Hey, we should hang out sometime, you know, like, like maybe go on a date. And I just was like, Oh God just needed me to be patient and to pay me back for putting her through that embarrassment. Okay. Okay. (laughs) Got me good. Got me so good. And yeah. And we've just been together ever since. 14 years. Mm -hmm. Jeez. That's a really cute story. And who know again, that's I mean, that that could be its own movie slash show because you never know where the road's gonna take you. You're like, here oh, right? we go in, in path X, and then Y comes in. You're like, nope, never mind. Oh and my then gosh. <laughs> twists and turns. Yeah, right. That'd be so much fun. If we ever get to sell that script, I will let you know. <laughs> okay, please do. I would love to know that. Um, but Sammy, I've just like I got to, I think I got introduced to you guys formally through Ronnie, right? Ronnie, was that the first time I got to hang out with you? Oh, my gosh. You know, it might be. I have so much trouble remembering when we meet people because in this business, I just I feel like you meet everyone in such random events at premiere screenings or at community events. And yeah. I, I I want to say it was through Ronnie. Like that sounds well, correct. That's the, I think the first time I got to sit down and have a conversation or like get to know you and I think I may have known about you before, but I'll say my first impression that's still lasted and has been affirmed and confirmed is like your your ability to speak so clearly what's on your mind has been like the favorite thing about you. Like, oh, yay. <laughs> and, and even when I was first getting to know, because I was like, we didn't know each other that well. I just still remember like hearing you, you have no issue having an opinion that's yours and yours alone. If other people disagree with you. It's cool. Like, yeah. And if it's problematic, then we're going to have more words. But, like, <laughs> it's such a great treat. Yeah. I mean, you know, and I, I guess let me disclaim at this point anything I might say because I, you, you have said that I, I really struggle with filtering. I've gotten a little better at it just so that I'm tactful and I don't hurt people needlessly. But mm-hmm. at the same time, you know, the sun rises and sets, the moon waxes and wanes. And there are people who disagree with me on this planet living and breathing and it, it's not hurting me. It's not hurting them. So mm-hmm. end of the day, like whatever I speak is, is my truth. And it's always based on my own experience. And the only thing I ever ask of anyone who has an opposing or even like two degree different opinion is please base it on your own experiences and what you've lived and and felt and thought as opposed to what's been fed to you. You know? Well said. Yeah. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, I <laughs> like I said, like I said, uh, I, I, I think that that's, I, I'll say hopefully in a, in a place of like self-awareness that I've been working on cultivating for many years, still working on it. I've definitely been a person who had really strong opinions Mm -hmm. for no damn good reason. (laughs) (laughs) 
And, um, you know, the silver lining is like, good for you. You have conviction and you have a point of view. And then now as a grown adult, I look back on a lot of things that like were really strong held beliefs and opinions. And I'm, yeah, I mean, you look, I look back at something like old Zanga posts or whatever, like blog stuff that I did. Oh, not the Zanga. Seriously. And I'm like, oh, honey, where did that come from? You know what I mean? Like, oh, totally, totally. Who told you that? Or like, why do you, why do you speak of it as if you know what you're talking about? You you know what? Bless us both being where we are now in life. Like I'm so thankful for whatever brought us to where we are because like pre 2012 era, Sammy needed some toning down and, and work. That's that's all I'm going to say about that. (laughs) I'll say that. And like, be that as it may be that as it may. There's, I think that's the the funny part. And that's why I think why I wanted to have a podcast in the first place is to like have the, I think it was part of my original intention, like have the courage to speak my, my point of view at that time with awareness, even like thinking ahead years. I was like, cause I was like, yeah. oh shit, what if I say the wrong thing? And I'm, you know, there, I think that level of like carefulness is good. Like not to be too, um, like haphazard or like willy-nilly about things just say whatever comes to your mind without thinking of consequences but mm-hmm. I was really scared to say a, a you know a declarative sentence I guess out into the world and be wrong yeah. right and who yeah. determines what's wrong but then I was also like thinking okay in light of that then like that's gonna stop everybody from ever speaking ever and like we do need to have discourse we need we need to have yes. different perspectives in order to move anything forward so even yes. though I am scared like okay let's go do the best we can. And like, that was part of my, a, a major fear. And then oh. like constantly though, like because of cancel culture, because of all these different things, right? I had such apprehension uh-huh. of like, I'm going to screw up. I'm going to offend somebody mortally. Mm-hmm. But then I was also just like, you know, I do like on a data level, see this lack of women voices of my generation, mm-hmm. et cetera, at the time that I started. And I was like, if I, if I'm wrong, then I'll deal with being wrong. And yeah. it's still hopefully it will be worthwhile that I'm saying something because like n- ain't nobody hearing what I'm saying or what, you know, what people like me are thinking. Um, yeah. So that was part of my mindset. You know, I, I mean, this. honestly, I feel like if you're going to eventually regret something or have to do a full apology, hopefully it was for something you did full out with full intention and full meaning, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I feel like apologizing for something that you like didn't really commit to just makes it worse. So major props <laughs> to you for overcoming, you know, cause, cause as women we're taught to, to hold back on our harder, I guess, opinions and, and to sacrifice that for the tranquility of the space of the room. But yeah. then it's also just like, you know what, but sometimes what needs to be said needs to be said. And I am so proud of you for overcoming that fear and looking it dead in the eye. It's like, I'm still scared of you, but I'm going to do it anyways. That is so cool. Thank you. I'll direct <laughs> throw it back because this is why we're talking today is that yes. your your ability, again, to be really vocal about stuff that's important to you. I came across one of your Facebook posts um, because it was like fed, like Kenji, uh, oh, yeah, yes. you know, our, <laughs> our mutual friend. He uh, he pointed me in, he's like, dude, because he knows that I care about this stuff and like I get riled up about identity politics oh, and like this. So, so go, go look at it. And I was like, oh, and then I looked, I was like, oh my God, this is, this, I want to talk. He's like, you should talk to Sammy about it. I was like, I'd love to. This was great. So that's why we're here. But like what you have shared so clearly about Asian identity and like about a number of things, like, A, I want to say the fact that you're so vocal and 
have such conviction keeps me staying brave, A. B, Stay what, brave, girl. Stay brave. Thank you. Maybe that's the title is Stay Brave. Talk oh about it. I love um, it. But with, with what you posted about Asian identity, specifically like purity, like mm-hmm. about the the nuances, the complexities about that and how we are, are so racist within our own community and things we like are. that. Oh. I was like, let's talk about that. Like it is such a real issue and a real existence within the, within our Truly. existences. And Truly. like I think people do talk about it, people joke about it and like let's just give more life to it because I think there's a lot to unpack there. And what you just stated alone in your post was already very like yeah. eye opening. Yeah, I mean, um, if you want, I can I can kind of sum up that what I said in that post. Would you? Uh, I was like, can you read it or sum it up or however you want to present I, it? You know, I don't have it pulled up, but I, I do remember what I said because it's something that I, like you said, people talk in private and my all my friends in circle know that I will speak on this. Um, I have great umbrage with the fact that within the Asian American community, there are some of us who are disturbingly obsessed with purity of heritage. This notion Mm. that if you're mixed, even within different Asian communities, if you're any form of mixed, you're somehow lesser and that Mm. somehow removes the validity of your voice. It somehow removes the validity of your request for representation, which is what we're all asking for. And it somehow like somehow just being born who you are makes you less important than other people. And pardon me for calling out this hypocrisy, but if you advocate for anything and your advocacy starts costing, like it it starts using other people as collateral damage, like I think you've lost a little bit of your way. So my Mm -hmm. post was calling that out because it's not cool how within the Asian American community, both myself and my partner have experienced the backlash of this. Now, here's the crazy thing. Neither of us is mixed. But because when you Mm -hmm. meet people and when you're in a visual first industry, people people snap to make judgments. Um, And one of the things that has happened to me repeatedly ever since, oh my gosh, since middle school, since I moved back to this country, um, is people looking at me and thinking I am half African-American. There's Mm -hmm. nothing wrong with being African-American. And in fact, I am a proud supporter of the Black Lives Movement, have been since before there was even a name for it, you know? Yeah. Um, And to to meet people and, you know, we're getting to know each other and everything's fine and dandy and I I think it's fine. But as we start trying to make like the Asian jokes, you know, like you just make within your circle – people like will feel uncomfortable and eventually someone will ask like, Oh, so like, what are you? You're like, like a mix. Right. And I'm like, Oh no, I'm, I am full Filipino girl. The number of people whose like shoulders have relaxed Mm. and whose brows are less furrowed. And it's, it's the smallest indication of a anti-black sentiments, which, you know, as a community we are working to dissolve, but it's also this, this, it, it, it's that thing I was saying where some, for some reason in the community, if someone is mixed, people are apprehensive to welcome them with open arms. And I just, I find that so strange. And, you know, um, uh, in your, your briefing for this podcast, you asked me, oh, what's your Twitter handle? I actually deleted Twitter because one of the most upsetting things recently was that 
someone tried to tell my partner that he wasn't part of Asian representation in Hollywood because he was like, this person was looking for full Asian representation and bless my partner. His response was, imagine saying this to a guy who's 98.6% Han Chinese, like the most Chinese you can get. And I just was like, you know what? I don't, I don't need this kind of interaction in my life. It's bad enough that I get it in person. So I left Twitter because I was just like, I, I can't with this anymore. Like you guys are being so hurtful in your quest for a better world. That is this even two steps back, one step forward? Like, right. you know, what what progress are we making and at what cost? So that was yeah. kind of a summation of the post that has brought us together today. Sheesh. I mean, <laughs> where do I begin? Um, first of all, I'm sorry. I'm sorry that that's the way humans can be. We are, I I mean, myself included, I think again, when I'm reflecting why I, maybe it was a little bit of disclaimer I've said or thoughts or felt sentiments, maybe not like broadcasting it, but I've definitely Mm -hmm. had a lot of like racist thoughts myself. However, for clarity's sake, mostly towards white people. (laughs) Like I've just been like, you know, I'm on that um, boat with you. We're all human. You know? I mean, yeah. I mean, there's we've all got the, work. We all have work, but I'll say that's where I think it's all really all been directed. <laughs> but like, um, nobody, but like, okay, for example, like my, my ex was uh, he's Japanese American, right? And like, even mm-hmm. like within that, I I realized that I had been raised to subconsciously like, maybe not hate, but to have a resistance to Japanese stuff. For example, like mm-hmm. everyone would talk about like, I want to go to Tokyo. I want to go to Japan. Like that's my number one place. I want to live there. And I was yeah. like, ah, it's overrated. Like I just was like, I don't ever want to go there. Yeah, yeah. Um, Things like that. But like my dad was very vehemently like hated Japanese people because of mm-hmm. colonization and because of this very painful history. Right. And so yeah. I've definitely been aware of like all the ways that people can hate one another being Asian American growing up my whole life in like mm-hmm. the Bay, which is very diverse. Like, even though we're all existing, coexisting in one space, it actually brings a lot more awareness of the nuances of how people can use color or class or whatever to like create division, be like, oh, well, you're and I'm this. And so it just sucks. And like, you know, part of me gets like, oh, it just needs to, we just need to accept the fact that people are awful and we're always going to find ways to like just be shitty and be hateful. Yeah. I mean, I I, I don't want that. Like, so, so in addition to like, you know, liking to work out and watching anime, um, I really enjoy history. And mm-hmm. I believe people are their history. So you, you definitely touched on, you know, there is a very sensitive relationship between countries and peoples who have experienced wartime, who have experienced aggression. And mm-hmm. I think something that our generation needs to start doing like, yesterday is examining (laughs) how that trauma has become generational Um, because you know like I've definitely I've I have not participated in the conversation but I have heard the older generations talking about like oh well you know Korea this Japan that China this and I'm sitting there going like yes okay but what's happening right now who are right. you actually affecting with your words, you know? And yeah. um, it just, it, it, if, if we can look at the history of things instead of being ashamed of it or uninformed, like so much of our generation is uninformed of these historical struggles within the Asian diaspora and the Asian right. just sphere of influence. Like right. 
if we know about these things, it can color our experience. And then that parent or that aunt or uncle, you know, who's, who's kind of difficult at the family gatherings, if you bring someone who's not of your heritage, like, mm-hmm. it, not that it excuses it, but it gives you a better starting place from which to speak about these things. And I, I just, I guess to me, whenever I look at the history, I get, okay, I get why we're here, but looking forward, where do we all want to be? And is holding right. on to that history really a good thing right now? Like, right. Is that what we need? You know, and and I I think about the Japanese American community, especially in California, who suffered like the internment and such, you exactly. know. Exactly. Yeah. And I, I look at the stories because I live in little Tokyo. So I am surrounded by that history. And I I just see like I, I see sometimes the hesitation in some of these people to reach out to communities beyond little Tokyo for support because there's that hesitation, you know, having been othered by Americans and and having families who've lived here with businesses that have been here for years being othered and suffering through that internment, like it, it affects your relationship with people. But at the same time, when you're in the community and like people start to recognize your face and the stuff like that, mm-hmm. th- those, those walls don't exist as much anymore. And it's just because you've invested your time, you've become a part of the community. And like, I don't know, you know, if, if, they can overcome that and still want to be a part of community, then maybe that's a lesson from history we should all be taking, you know? I agree. I agree. And those yeah. are things that I think don't draw as much attention. It's not as easy well, just to be, I mean, I, I, I we work in media, right? But like, mm-hmm. let's be real. So much of media feeds off of these negative narratives, right? And negative totally. headlines that will, that, because that that is scientifically proven to get more clicks and to get a lot more attention in people. Oh, as we are, as a human species, we are very fear-driven, right? It's a very mm-hmm. effective way to garner attention. So like, to that end, like, I get it because they're living off ads and they want as many eyeballs on something. So if you're going to negative spin something, it makes me like want to hurl, but like that's yeah an awareness that I I think I have the advantage of having. But regardless, like what the rest of the world is consuming, which is a real issue, i.e. like Fox News and all that bullshit, like Mm -hmm. the the consequences of that are so real and we have to like actively counter that. And so that's what I, I like. You and I actually started the conversation talking about like, where did we get these thoughts, right? Like, Mm -hmm. or where, at least for me, it's like, where did I, where did I get that belief? And that's a a real thing that I've been thinking about, right? Yeah. It, was it based off of my own experience, something that I can like testify to? And I will say even like, I don't know whether it's because I'm Asian American or or female. And like, I've had, I've been gaslit so much in my life of like telling Ugh. me, being told that my experience and that my perspective is like not correct or X, Y, Z. So there's a level of that mixed in there. But in general, I just feel like we're always like, we're there's this very uphill battle that we have in terms of like, having perspective and not operating Mm -hmm. from a place of fear and then being like, I don't want to like say like mature, like, you know, having the wisdom, like, you know, having, it's a mix of maturity and wisdom and willingness and like openness to like be wrong, you know, like, Oh yeah, totally. To be wrong, to be seen as ugly for even just a moment. And like, you know, not every face that we can present to the world is a smiling one. Mm Mm-hmm. And we need to be more comfortable. I totally agree with with being wrong and having that moment where like people will see you and hear you as someone who is processing and learning. That's okay, y'all. We spent most of our formative years as these like, you know, ridiculous children who knew nothing. Like just continue it, you know, continue totally. that learning. Yeah. 
when it comes to the mixed heritage thing, like it's, I mean, that's the now and that's the future, right? Like we're just all getting, it's, it's going to, it's going to be this continuous evolution of a lot of different cultures and heritages and backgrounds and ethnicities and facial structures, skin colors, Mm -hmm. intermixing, right? And I know that there are a lot of people who have been really against that for a lot of different reasons. A lot of like, that's the root of like so much hatred and prejudice and division. And like, I, I, the only thing from my experience that I let like it first, besides the fact that I'd grown up in America, so I'm very aware of like Jim Crow and the segregation of black Mm -hmm. and white, which were neither of my experiences. But I knew that like from birth, I was always told to like marry a nice Korean boy, you know, from my parents Mm -hmm. that, and there's that wish for me to keep the bloodline pure was so heavily influenced by the Japanese colonization and everything before where like they kept getting pillaged and like trying to be erased as a people. Mm -hmm. So I know from my parents, like this, like sanctity of the bloodline was so centered on like preserving identity, preserving like language, preserving our culture and our ceremonies and like Mm -hmm. things that they hold so valuable to their hearts. I think they really wanted to make sure that I don't lose that. Right. So when I think, because I would, I would fight back, girl. I was like, I love whoever I love, and like, <laughs> don't tell me who Aww. I'm gonna marry. Like, I was, I was like Ariel from Little Mermaid. Like, if I'm gonna marry a human, Full you're level. gonna have to deal with it. You know? Oh my god, uh, damn that movie. Um, but like, <laughs> but like, that's what I grew up with. You know, and mm-hmm. and so it's it's been years of me like really resisting, disagreeing, judging, and then trying to understand like where did this narrative that they're so like holding on to with such a tight grip. Yeah. I mean, now, now I'm in my 30s and not married. And they're like, just anybody. Hurt. Whoever. <laughs> Whoever. You just, you just had to wait them out. <laughs> I know. Like, it's just, it's a game of chicken. I um, love it. But like, for me, that's where that, that awareness, it was very early on for me of like, this, you know, purity and this heritage, mm-hmm. you know, honoring and then like anything but it like desecrates it or it, it yeah. harms it in some way. And like, I don't know where everybody else is, like, the vitriol, the hatred comes from, per se. Um, I don't know if it's been hateful for my parents, but I do know that they are very, like, persistently adamant about Mm. marry a good Korean boy, preferably Christian, you know. Right, right, right. They have a checklist. Yeah. Yeah. But And I imagine it might be that way, but I don't know what you've experienced. And then on top, what all the other layers that you're talking about, which is, like, anti-Blackness and, like, would say that if I was in an interracial relationship Mm -hmm. if I brought home like a white boy versus a black guy I mean within the Asian community we're pretty we know like what would cause a bigger problem do you know what I mean yeah and that is such an issue I yeah yeah Yeah, I mean I guess you know it I I was the partner who was not approved of at one point Uh, um I was dating someone who was of Vietnamese heritage. Yeah, he was he was full Vietnamese. Parents both full Vietnamese. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we were in college at the time and college is a great time to date people and explore your options and whatnot. But for some reason, his parents refused to give me any kind of a chance. Mm-hmm. Um, his father wouldn't meet me. Um which, you know, was a bit odd, but I also, I I tried to give the benefit of the doubt. And I was like, he probably thinks this is just a college fling, which, you know, long term it was. But, you know, if he doesn't want to try to meet all of 
his son's girlfriends until there's a serious one. That's fine. You know, like mm-hmm. have your reasons. I, I'm open to that. That's okay. But then his mother um, did meet me. And I even, I remember we started dating shortly before Mother's Day. So I just happened to like get her a, like a little necklace, nothing crazy, but just something to say happy Mother's Day, you know, because I'm yeah, not sweet. rude. I was raised yeah, properly. So and I knew he was going to get picked up by her to go. I think their family was in San Diego. I think, oh my gosh, it's been years. Um, but, you know, like one weekend after the gift had been given, he, he got picked up to go down to San Diego and his mother proceeds to spend the entire, I'm pretty sure it's like two hours from the OC or an hour, whatever, mm-hmm. the entire time telling him why Filipino girls are bad and he should marry a Vietnamese girl. Oh, and yeah. I just, I remember feeling so hurt because yeah. I was like, First of all, you don't even know me and you're speaking as if I'm a bad person. But second of all, not all Filipino women are the same. So that's, whoa, that's a reach. Like, where is that coming from? And, you know, I I wasn't in that relationship long enough to to try to tackle that. Um, And that did kind of give me PTSD with um, a partner's parents because I was like, how can you, how can you hurt someone with your words like that, you know? And, and like in your, in your quest to find your son a good partner or help your son find happiness, I, you know, that's what parents want for their children, I assume. Um, how can you hurt someone else so profoundly? Like if you're not going to like me, just be like, Oh, we don't really like her. We don't really approve, but base it on who I am, not on your Mm -hmm. own preconceived notions. And also like, maybe don't discriminate against a whole group of people yeah in the meantime like really (laughs) Really? for sure I'm so sorry and like I can I'm very lucky to not have had a parent disapprove of me and I was so like um programmed to please darling Oh, thank you. But like they could they could have their thing against like Korean people or just an Asian person or whatever, right? Yeah, or maybe yeah. I maybe they there was somebody that didn't approve of me. I was just shielded from it. Oh yeah. But I can imagine using like to be in the receiving side of that, no matter what it was about, but especially mm-hmm. for something that's completely out of your control and oh, that totally. is completely false. And like you're incredibly lovable and charming and <sighs> like you got this woman a gift, like a completely just nice gesture. Uh, the kindness of your heart, it, it's it's very telling, I think. Hopefully, I, my my wish that I speak into the universe is that I hope this mm-hmm. is mainly a generational thing, and this is why we're talking about it, because mm-hmm. that's that is just creating more harm, more pain, more PTSD that yeah. can maybe or may not be healed, you know, mm-hmm. through XYZ, through therapy or like yeah, a yeah. healed relationship. That it just creates more pain and more division because like for somebody to actively have to recover from that and have to tr- entrust somebody again to like not discriminate like that or to, you, you know what I mean? Subconsciously yeah, expect yeah. other people are going to do the same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure that that parent, like trying to be as gracious as possible to be like that, that person is from a different generation. I understand yeah. like Vietnam has gone through a whole hell of a lot, right? Oh, like totally. I'm not, and still what was said is hurtful. It's problematic. It's not, mm-hmm. it's not, mature but i also yeah like the grace that we've all had to like give our parents generations is like 
it is what it is. And I'm glad that we have the maturity to do that. And also mm-hmm. we don't need to repeat that stuff. It's just like, it's so unnecessarily hurtful. Yeah, it's so I, unnecessarily harming. I like, I, I want, and I am an optimistic person. Yeah. I want to believe that it will fade with the previous generation, but I think I've just experienced so much in my life that my more pragmatic side is also like, okay, it's not going anywhere. Um, case in point, like I remember several conversations with people where they'd be like, oh, you know, like Filipinos are Asian, but they're not Asian, Asian. And I like talk about instant blood boilers. The minute Mm. I hear that, I immediately gauge how valuable this relationship with this person is. And Mm -hmm. if it is valuable, I just kind of excuse myself and have to pee very conveniently because (laughs) I, like I get so heated Mm -hmm. when people are like, Oh, you're not Asian, Asian. Or like once, um, I, what was it? Uh, Des received a comment once that was like, Oh, you're not like Chinese, Chinese though, because he wasn't mainland Chinese. And And? it, (laughs) it, it's, I just, I, I cannot fathom that that gets you anywhere. I cannot fathom what that validates within a person to Mm -hmm. be like exclusive with your heritage. And now, now I lived in Asia. So when people hit me with the Filipinos aren't really Asian or like, oh, you're Pacific Islander. I'm like, okay. um, First of all, if you didn't live in Asia, you, you probably shouldn't be even a part of the conversation <laughs> of who is Asian or not. Like, pardon me for saying, Pero, um, you know, that just like, that's a reality. And, and you know, when I yeah. lived in the Philippines, the gatekeeping in the community was more like, are you a light-skinned Filipino? Are you a dark-skinned mm-hmm. Filipino? Mm-hmm. Are you an expat? Or do you use your family speaker? Or the thing that we all get of like, oh, well, do you even speak the language? Mm-hmm. And I, listen, I sound like a fifth grader when I speak Tagalog, but <laughs> a man, I can understand it. So when people are talking, I'm like looking at them with full comprehension on my face and I will wait until they're done and respond in English because I know they understand. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just like, you know, I, I sit here and I sit at such an interesting intersection watching these things happen, you know, in, in the what I call the real world and Hollywood because- right. Those are two things. Right. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I just, I always ask myself, what have you gained from being exclusive, from gatekeeping in this way, from telling someone that they were born wrong or born disadvantaged? Like, what have you gained? Oh, nothing. You don't gain anything tangible unless you're like racistly avoiding someone being cast or given work opportunities or something like that. But it, it's just like nothing can be worth that kind of painful self-validation to exclude someone like that. Completely. I I think it's so – I love how clearly you lay that. I have no no notes, Sammy. <laughs> yes, copy-paste. Whoa. And, and, and also, like, I think – I think it's all just very telling of like the culture of mm. for for example like what Asian American culture is and I'm not the end all be all authority on that I've just been 
heavily, heavily invested and immersed in the Asian American culture and the creation you know, I would, of it. I would the, say you have been. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit of a, a subject matter. No, I'm not an expert, but like it has been my entire universe for the last almost decade and a half. Mm-hmm. So like, and being part of so many different personal conversations um, like on the ground, just like individual students to working people to like an intergenerational. I've talked to people yeah. that are kids to like my grandparents' age. I've talked to people from all over the country that are Asian American who mm-hmm. are immigrants or fobs who are like, you know, fourth generation Japanese American and Chinese American in California. Mm-hmm. There's such a range. I'd say a lot of it is ingrained in like a our very patriarchal society or like culture and and Confucianism that is very Asian. Um, But that is so rooted in like hierarchy and and finding where you rank. And so whether Mm -hmm. that's a conscious thing or not, I just feel like that coupled with white supremacy is a perfect storm for everybody having this incredibly real and very like impactful set of insecurities and need to feel some level of significance and superiority. So I think that's Mm -hmm. at the root of like why people say stuff like that and why, and I'm a very big, and I'm a voice actor, right? So it's not about what you say, it's about how you say it. So you can say (laughs) like, oh, well, like you're, it's different to be like, oh, are you like Chinese Chinese? Or it's saying like, are you Chinese Chinese? Or like, what are, you know, like those are two things that were said there, right? And so there's kind of like, even in the tone, um, we're all trying to decipher that because these conversations are very, I think, specific to our generation of like figuring out how to juggle all of these identities and there's Mm -hmm. like people who misspeak and like there are people that have that rooted in like this inherited like superiority complex or whatever you know whatever they've been entrenched Mm -hmm. in and then like regurgitate without thinking twice about it which is stupid but like yeah then then hopefully they get the consequences of like getting a response from you (laughs) like no Should have thought about that before I said anything. <laughs> yeah, it's it's um for me a big a big part of my activism and and to clarify, I've been an activist for so many different things since I was sixteen. Like mm-hmm. I've I've done the petitions out in the parking lot of a of supermarket. You know, I've I've done the marches. I've done the actual lobbying in a, an elected official's office. Like been there, done that. Spoken at a council meeting. Been there, done that. Mm-hmm. And something that resounds through all of that is, again, coming from like my experiences. But I also always like to do a double check with myself. And the double check is always, what is my advocacy asking for? What is my ask? And are the words and stories and things that I'm saying to people, like, is all of that fundamentally in line with my ask and my hope for the future? And here's the thing. If you're excluding people on the basis of their heritage when they were born, isn't that hypocritical? to any kind of like racial representation ask you could have right. like like fundamentally you're shooting yourself in the foot <laughs> right and why like why it's already hard enough boo boo to change the world why yeah. would you like put dents in the tools that you need to use to to challenge the patriarchy to challenge white supremacy and like i really want to hop back to that for a second because you said something about you know a lot of what we've learned has been what we've experienced through white supremacy, through the patriarchy, things like that. And 
you know, in the Asian American community within Hollywood, there's all this talk about changing Hollywood, about new Hollywood. Um, how do people say, uh, oh, Hollywood today, as opposed mm-hmm. to Hollywood, even, even what, five, six years ago is yeah. different. Um, but I am always... I think I'm just, I'm so okay with being wrong that I criticize everything that comes out of my mouth (laughs) the minute I say it. So the minute I've ever said, oh, well, Hollywood today or Hollywood these days, I go, wait, but is Asian American Hollywood actually changing Hollywood to a new Hollywood? Or are we just putting an Asian skin on the old sins of old Mm. Hollywood? Ooh, ooh. And that's the reaction I always get. And people take a second and go, oh, hold on a minute. Because if we're doing, if, if what we're doing now is we're just replacing these hierarchical structures with our own Asian version of them, Mm -hmm. have we really affected the system as greatly as we think we have? Or, Mm. Or are we just using the tricks that the last guy used, you know, like the last greasy car salesman used to, to make our own sales, you know? And I, I think I would just, I would love, love, love for more people within our communities to be critical of the devices and the marketing and, and the spins and who we promote as our leaders and who we allow to be our leaders. Cause that's not like people assume that just because you're popular, you have permission to speak on behalf of the community. And Maybe that shouldn't be a thing. I'm just saying. I love um, you. <laughs> uh, here's the thing. If you have a motivated self-interest to get attention as part of your industry, maybe you aren't the best advocate for a social movement that should be benefiting others besides you. Again, <sighs> fundamental hypocrisy. This. Fundamental hypocrisy. And sometimes I sit in the back of these things going, I don't know about that, but at least it's better than yesterday? Question mark. <laughs> Like, oh my god, I feel so seen. I like need a moment. I'm like so grateful. Oh, sorry, yeah, no, but I just it's great. I, I just it to me. That's what a lot of us are actually asking for is a reexamination of the structures that we've allowed to create these hierarchies. You know, mm-hmm. like that's what we have actually been asking for when we say we need more representation in media. It's not just about the faces because. You know, again, we are human beings, and this should not be news to anyone, but even your Asian American kings and queens and in-betweens can be toxic and problematic. So, thousand percent. Like, you know, where is the examination of what's actually wrong? And why are people being left out or being exalted in a way that was problematic before, you know, and then take that issue and then add in the fact that there are Asian gatekeepers. And oh, to be clear, this is not just within the Asian community. Um, after I posted the the what we'll call the inciting status here, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> a friend who is uh, has mixed heritage that includes some Latina messaged me and she was like, yeah, you know, I'm it shouldn't be something that I'm happy to hear, but it is somewhat comforting to know that it happens in other ethnic communities as well, because it does happen to her where her being mixed somehow prevents her from even being a part of any solutions that her community right. might propose. And I think for me, that's the biggest thing is I, my heart's so big that when I hear we are leaving people out of the solutions, I'm like, well, then none of those solutions are going to, to provide us with long-term relief. They're all right. short-term band-aids. And once those get ripped off, 
maybe it's worse because they're not applicable to the pe- to people Thank because you, they're right? so fixated on being so, serving to this specific group which i think see it's it's a it's a there's there's multiple facets to this that there is value in specificity and saying mm-hmm. okay like this is a very specific filipino american or filipino right and there's a distinction between filipino and filipino american right oh, because now yeah. we have these oh, subgroups yes. so there's value to differentiate sometimes that specificity is what a lot of people want in order to really feel seen and heard and mm-hmm. there's a there's a catch 22 to that if you're only so specific and that's the only thing that matters mm-hmm. then you're not inclusive of like things that can be that can afford to be broader, that can afford to like address multiple issues at the same time because Mm -hmm. they are, they are universally rooted in the same thing, i.e. like white supremacy, right? Yeah. So broadly relatable. Exactly. And, and I do think that there's been this longstanding, I'll I'll speak like, I mean, this is my damn show. Like (laughs) I have, I have my own resentments. I have my own exhaustion of like the Asian American community and the creative community, the Hollywood community. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of things that I have bitten my tongue about because in the, in trying to be whatever, like thinking that it's the honorable thing or the altruistic thing saying like, okay, if I'm going to be nitpicky about this thing and be bitter at this one person or this, this person that I don't think is a proper advocate, like who, Mm -hmm. A, I would do the, the common thing, which is question the hell out of myself and the validity of my own observation, which years later, I was like, no, girl, I was right. (laughs) But (laughs) again, be that as it may, at the time I was like, what does it serve the community if I'm going to bitch and moan about this one thing or, and, and not, and if it's going to advance us forward, Mm -hmm. then is it worth making a fuss about? Which I'm glad that I had, uh, for me, I was doing, trying to do the right thing and be mature to say, just because I want to pop off about this one thing doesn't mean I'm immediately going to do so. Mm -hmm. And in light of that, over years of that, there's, I know that I'm not alone in feeling that there's been a number of thing, uh, uh, conversations, decisions, um, money, resources, things, decisions that get made mm-hmm. without, like you said, any, what's the right word? I, I'd say like constructive criticism uh, that we need yeah. to afford to be, like you said, critical of, is this the best way to do it? Like there's mm-hmm. been so many times of like, why is this publication or this group or this entity going to these individuals or that because they're popular, it doesn't mean that they have the tools to speak out on such a nuanced, Mm -hmm. complicated thing as identity politics about being an other, other than white, right? In Hollywood, they may have the eyeballs to get you clicks, but they don't have the the nuance to talk about something that's so pervasive and so nuanced and complicated as racism in Hollywood, mm-hmm. which dictates and makes stories that influences the whole rest of the, at least country and a lot of this world. Cause we export so much culture, right? Totally. Totally. So it's, it's, I, I'm just like saying like, I've been really pissed about a lot of decisions that have been made. I have felt exhausted. And that's where I see like us not having these conversations in any sort of frank manner is like, Mm -hmm. it's very destructive because people that could contribute and that you'd want to be part of the larger team, they're just tapping out because they're like, dude, A, I don't matter. B, the the sucky person who just wants the spotlight is going to win anyway. You know what I mean? Like all those like negative things that we're like, it doesn't matter what I think or what I say or what I do. I'm not as popular as that person. I have as many Instagram followers as that person. Oh my gosh. Like screw it. I'll just stick to like what I can do in my little space. And that is a disservice to everything. Mm -hmm. It's sad. Totally. 
we have these conversations like you and I are having about that representation piece where it does matter because those choices ultimately do in the larger picture make a big difference. There are very few people, at least in our universe of like Hollywood, that mm-hmm. make these very big decisions about yes. representation. And I'm like, mm-hmm. who the hell are they talking to or not talking to? Yeah, like, yeah. For sure. I, you know, it's something that I I see often is like a decision will get made at what we'll call the studio level. And for anyone who's not familiar, like when you're talking about like a Hollywood production, you've got what's actually happening on set. So mm-hmm. like, you know, like with the actors, the crew, like director, everybody that's, that's on set. But then when you have studio, you have like studio executives usually, and like a marketing team and then a finance team who are doing all the paperwork. But then they're also helping make the creative decisions. And I see so often that a decision gets made, whether it's casting or story or setting related, like whatever, gets made at like the studio level. But then when it's put out there, it's like, like the people who take the most flack for it are the people who are just on set. And just doing their Mm. job and doing, you know, essentially Mm -hmm. what they're told to do and fighting their own battles. But then something comes out from from the studio side and like because most people don't know how those politics work, they're like, oh, well, that means that this actor or this director or this, I mean – Sadly, most people don't pay attention past that, but you really should. There's some amazing people working on the, <laughs> the crew of these sets, y'all. Like they are the real yes. magicians. But you know, the, these these faces, if you will, of these productions get lambasted as holding problematic ideals. And then the same thing happens when studio somehow makes a good decision. Like, mm-hmm. you know, when, when all of a sudden they do something good, it's these faces who, who are associated with that decision. But I'm just like, hey, wait a minute. You don't actually know how that person feels about it. You don't actually right. know, like, what went down or what the, what the actual situation was for these decisions. So maybe think about that um, before you're posting these, these horrible things on Twitter about people right. not being full Asian. Like, ma'am, I... Mm. Well, see, and I, I do, I've, I really struggled with that conversation because I've been critical of the whole, like, why do we keep casting like half Asian people for Asian roles? Like I've mm-hmm. personally had a bone to pick with that specifically yeah. because, and like, I, I've taken some time. I mean, I've complained about it, but I have wondered because for example, like, I think I'm not, I am not saying that a half Asian person is yeah. like less Asian. Mm-hmm. That's not my argument. They, from my point of view, the way I looked yeah. at it, for example, is Kristen Crook half Asian? No. Is she? I from oh Smallville. My gosh. She that looks is a kind name of I don't remember. I think like I'm talking about like Smallville days, you know, like back in the day. There there yeah, were yeah, half yeah. Asian actors and actresses that like the ethnically ambiguous. Ethnically ambiguous that like yes. here's it came from a place of I, I'm a big fan of authenticity. I'm still pissed about Rose uh, Rose from Titanic. I love Kate Winslet, but I was like, mm-hmm. girl, homegirl is not 17. I'm still <laughs> not, that, that's the level of like, that's how petty I am about like, I care about, are you actually you. blah, blah, blah. Because yeah. it adds to the story and I care about story. And I'm like, mm-hmm. I'll believe the story when it comes from like an authentic place, right? Totally. So when these people would like cast half Asians, it's not because I hate half Asians. It's like, if the story, if the mom and dad are Asian and then the child is like clearly not full, that's 
takes me out of the story, A. Like, that's first and foremost, like, that's mm, yeah. weird and dumb. Genetically not possible. Secondly, yeah. like, I had a thing with, like, the whiteness in that's been promoted within my existence of being Korean and Korean American mm-hmm. is that whiteness is beautiful. And, yes. like, when I see a half Asian person, I'm like, we all, like, it's been an ongoing series. Like, they're all beautiful. They're all just yeah. gorgeous, right? Yeah. They get the best of everything. Like, shut up. Seriously. And I'm not saying, and I'm not trying to, like, minimize their experience. I know that there's so many issues with, like, identity and not feeling white enough and not feeling Asian totally. enough. Like, you're just in this horrible in-between. Mm-hmm. So, again, it's not this hatred towards half anything like multiracial it's just like there's a different existence that i as a full korean american full east asian person with my small Mm -hmm. eyes with my not no my monolids and with my short stature and with Mm -hmm. my inability to have like a baywatch body because that's just not my body type like that's a very specific experience that i've had to struggle with living in america having all these Mm -hmm. like notions of beauty and like acceptability projected on on me yeah right shoved down my throat then to have my supposed representation represented by somebody that genetically looks more in alignment with the white population that i have felt so like yeah whatever you know shunned by or like inadequate compared to Mm -hmm. that decision and it wasn't the actor's decision but that fact that that was made by somebody else and that that's inconsequential that it doesn't matter yeah is infuriating to me I was like, that it disrupts the story. It disrupts, it's a different narrative. Half Asian people have their narrative and their struggles and their existence that's difficult in different ways. Mm-hmm. But to try to like con us, which I don't know if that's what they're like, really trying to like pawn us, like make us yeah. believe that that well, we're not stupid. Like, yeah. I don't know. That that's that's where I've had like my come on, what is going on? Like, why can you not find a full Asian person to play this role? Totally. And yeah. yeah. And I, I, what I want for the community is just honestly flat out for more Asian stories to be told. Yes. Like, yes. because the, that problem that, that you have only exists because we are competing for such a tiny percentage of roles yeah. available. And that should not be the case. Like if there's going to be, okay, let's just say there's a cute little high school drama happening and there's an Asian kid there who's um, – we'll go with Korean. I'm going to give you your Korean moment, girl. <laughs> so we've got a Korean kid. That Korean kid should have Korean parents. But you know what? Maybe, maybe just – I don't know. We also have like – an African-American kid and both of that kid's parents are African-American. And you know what? Maybe just maybe we spice things up. We have a white kid who's half Asian, half white. Mm-hmm. And those mm-hmm. parents, you know, but like, it's like take, take from the roles that are all white and mix them up and create more. Like it, it's kind of sad that so many people end up competing for such a small pot when yeah. if they were given a chance There would be so many people like yourself, like myself, who would feel seen without it coming at the cost of other people, without it creating uh, invisible barriers between us where you were like, I have nothing against a mixed Korean person. I just want to see a little Korean girl struggling to reach the top shelf. (laughs) Being given a top locker so hatefully. Like, Mm -hmm. I just want to see that. You know, and there's, and again, like that is no hate on the mixed community, but it's like, there should be enough roles that everyone can do this. So 
I think for me, that's, that's the big thing. And when you're in the industry, like you were able to express that so concisely and so passionately girl. Like that was so beautiful to hear you say out loud. Cause I know you've been <laughs> feeling that. Um, so good to hear that. But then, you know, you go to the consumer, you go to the audience base who like, if you're listening, please pay attention to this. Y'all gotta stop saying hurtful things. Like I wish they had cast a full person instead of this mixed person. No, no, no that's not the fight. Stop making mm-hmm. that the fight. The fight is I wish they were telling more stories with more roles for both mixed and non-mixed people. That's the fight. But like yeah. when y'all start saying on Twitter and running your mouths about how this person's not full Asian, so that's a problem. Like you make that person the problem instead of the studio that made this decision the problem. And that's the problem, yo. 100%. Like that is the problem. So if you're going to start like a Twitter thread that has thousands and thousands of views, at least target the problem. I, again, copy, paste, control C, control V. I just can't sometimes. I'm just like, there's nothing wrong with these people having roles. We just need more for everyone else. Agreed on the roles. And I'd also say from somebody that's starting out in as a filmmaker, I made my first short film this summer. And Congrats. I did thank you. I've I've done a number of like passion projects. So I've done like casting calls. Okay. I'll say and mm-hmm. my stories, I'm you know, I write from my place of experience. The vast majority of the characters I write are Asian American. Not so cool. And like I've been looking. So yep. FYI. Supply. Supply needs to exist. If you're if mm-hmm. people are trying to tell a nuanced story, even on the on the parental front, the great example you came up with earlier. If I want somebody to play my dad who is like authentically like a Korean fob, which I I I want that accent, you know, I want oh, a genuine yeah. accent that doesn't come off cringy and that's like false and coming yeah. from a Chinese American, no shade, but like yeah, I would yeah. love for like a Korean American. My dad speaks really great English. He just has a heavy accent, mm-hmm. so he can read, write, memorize Korean, English if he want. Well, memorize is maybe a stretch, but like <laughs> you know, like they exist, and so like we need those those actors and the writers and the people who have the experience to write on on behalf of that. That's why for mm-hmm. me as an actor, I. I, uh, what do you call it? Like I got sick of all the really whack scripts of this, like ethnically ambiguous and like this colorblind casting to me, I feel like colorblind is a very, I get almost offended of like colorblind. Like who has the privilege to be colorblind? Nobody Mm -hmm. except the people who are at the very top can afford to be colorblind. Everybody else is very colorful and okay with that. Like, because the world is colorful. Um, but like my reading of all these scripts, I was like, let's write some specific stories. And if it's not coming for, from mm-hmm. the source, how are we supposed to get anything authentic out there? And we have to fail upwards because I'm not going to hit it out the ballpark right out yeah. right away yeah, yeah, to yeah, start. Yeah. So I'm talking about supply in terms of like the creatives. I've said this. There's probably the 80th time I've said this on this podcast. Anybody who's paid attention at my work in collab, I've said this <laughs> a gazillion times. And I'll say it again. It's like the people who want to be the face, who are willing to be the face, to go to acting school, to be a good actor so that when someone work. Make, yes. to make up words and ask you to memorize them and deliver them with conviction and authenticity that you can do it when the director says action. That's yes. what we need as well. Totally. So that there's a variety of faces to choose from, a variety of heights, a variety of fashion styles. Like I want to have a very specific look for XYZ character. Yes, mm-hmm. we can be chameleons, but if you have that essence right out the gate and you are the Asian rice rocket dude, I need, by the way, I need that. Like, oh yeah. Oh, I know the type. I, I see it. 
Yeah. Right? And you need that person to exist. And so that's also like, if people can approach it with, like you said, the 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 perspective of like, what's the real problem here? And what mm-hmm. is the, what is the utility of what you're saying? Is it just diminishing people's will to like carry on? Yeah. People are already in limited spirit, right? When it comes to mm-hmm. how expensive and hard it is to like climb up this freaking hill. Truly. Make it easier, ideally, because yeah. it is very, very hard. And then in terms of just being a good human, that that's an industry thing. But I mm-hmm. really, for this conversation, I really call out, because I'm calling myself out, how problematic and how finitely I said things that were nonsense and that mm-hmm. were rooted in this feeling of insignificant is to like work on your own self-worth and self-confidence. And if there yes. are things to be observed, do that with more curiosity and... Mm-hmm and openness than just like hating on people. Like we have enough of that, you know, we We have have so much hate. And I guess that's why like anyone who has ever done the, oh, but you're not Asian, Asian thing has always seen my very confused face. (laughs) We're like the eyes narrow and the forehead comes down and I'm just Mm kind of sitting there looking at them like, that's going to be one of the stupidest things I'm going to have to remember you said, but um, Mm -hmm. you said it. And mm-hmm. now we have to figure out how you value people and right. how you value yourself. And now that's going to, you know, because I, I think when you experience people, and a first impression is great, but really how they continue to act and speak and conduct themselves is is how you form your opinion of them, or it should be if you're not prejudiced. Um, underlying <laughs> theme. But yeah. like, I, I just, when people begin to show that, they have these prejudices and they're not willing to confront them. Like they're Mm -hmm. just very comfortable. I just become concerned because I feel like you're missing out on a better upgraded version of yourself. Yeah. If you limit the things that you accept. And I, I really think that like, you know, trying to be a good human being, trying to be a good person, express compassion, you know, like that thing that you're about to say that excludes people, how's that going to make them feel? And is that worth me saying it? Right. You know, just, just be compassionate and think about the the flip side of it all. Right. And, and awareness that, that, uh, that level of, um, I don't know, just unbridled, it comes from a place of pain, I imagine too. So I think want to be combat. It's going to attract more, honestly, like when people have really, provocative points of view, I'm not opposed to that. I'm actually like really curious, like, what do you think? And if it's really insightful or really different than mine for me, I'm hoping I want to become a person where I invite a different point of view mm-hmm. in case I'm missing something, in case there's something even cooler or different that I did, I did not take in consideration, which is everywhere, right? Yeah, yeah. But if that's delivered in this like rooted in hatred and rooted in trying to be superior at the expense of others Mm -hmm. to like push down instead of wonder or like explore or Mm -hmm. learn. Like I just immediately, I feel a disconnect and a dislike of Mm -hmm. further engaging with that person. Nobody wants to listen to you when you're just like, I hate this. And like, these people are trash and like, whatever, even if those are not the words, but that's a subtext of what you're saying. Mm -hmm. Um, it doesn't invite that perspective to be further explored. 
You are exactly. literally pushing people away, not literally, you're figuratively pushing people away yeah. with th- that kind of energy, you know, that on a, on a very like human EQ level. Mm-hmm. Who wants to talk to someone like that? Amen. You know, and, and you kind of used one of my favorite words there, invite, like be, being active, being part of a community is about, you know, like who else is involved and what you're fighting for. And to me, you know, I've, I've been doing, again, this activism thing for going on 17, 18 years now. Um, inviting people in is the single most powerful thing you can do for your movement. Like, mm-hmm. you know, they always say power in numbers, power in numbers. But the hardest part is getting those numbers. Like anyone who has ever gone door to door knows <laughs> getting yes. people to listen to you or sign up for something or even just say, yeah, I hear you can be so hard. But if you yep. can proactively invite people in to your movement, to your community, like it, that invitation in will always resonate with that person. So this this notion of Asian Americans within my own community saying I don't fully belong or certain people don't fully belong, like I, I think I just get re- – so I'm a Virgo. And anything that's inefficient bothers me. So when I hear people saying that, I'm like, you are making our cause inefficient and I'm (laughs) mad about it. And like, yes, you're hurting people. And that's primarily why I'm mad. But a big personality trait for me is efficiency. And if you are not inviting people in who belong here, Mm -hmm. um, you're being inefficient and I need you to like not, you need to go on mute. Like, you know, when you're in Zoom calls, somebody <laughs> yes. on mute. I like, I wish I had that power in real life. Um, yeah. that, that's going to be my new answer to the superhero question that people always ask. Like, like, what would your superpower be? It would be to mute people in real life like you can on Zoom. <laughs> because I'm like, you need a timeout. I need to think about what you're saying. Because yeah. telling people who should be a part of this community and who can lend their voices and strength and courage and stories and and just honestly, their personhood to Mm -hmm. the movement like Mm -hmm. why would you deny yourself so powerful and so beautiful a tool and like like you know I I mentioned earlier I sit at a unique intersection that has allowed me to see things a certain way how much more do you have to gain from people who are mixed and sit at unique intersections themselves like they're gonna see things you don't see right and I, I feel like for our movement, for representation, our, our requests for diversity to be represented on screen and in the world at large, like, like, shouldn't we try to cover all our bases? I don't know. I, and Maybe. I, yeah. I, that's, I think that there is power in, in those numbers. I think there is, and that is, is generally acquired through invitation and through a welcoming versus mm-hmm. an excluding. So totally. I'm hundred percent. And on, I'm so, maybe I have Virgo placements. Um, <laughs> I too, I too am a big on a fish because, you know, being in the advocacy, advocacy world, it's very like, we it takes so much energy to like move an inch to begin with anything yeah. that's like dragging back i'm like get out of here man like yeah you're like stop you're stop right creating now creating drag dudes just shut and to transmute it i think it's not to okay i don't want to disqualify anybody's pain or their mm-hmm. experience there's a way to conduct it into something that is productive you know like there's totally. a way to to advance your agenda with the rest of the agendas mm-hmm. to me i think i've approached it because i've i've encountered so many different types of resistant thought the way that i learned 
um, because other people were like that with me because I was this yeah. very opinionated child that was like, ah! oh I God. learned that it came from this attitude of like a yes and, which was reinforced by my improv class of totally. like validate other people's feelings. They have their, they have their pain point. Say, yeah, you, you know what? That sounds, mm-hmm. that sounds awful. And we have this thing and there's got to be a way either, if it's a strategy thing, cause we're talking about efficiency, there's totally. sometimes like gateways, like, okay, then let's get these people through the freaking door. Right. Mm-hmm. Or like right now, this is what's available to us right now. This is what is trending or blah, blah, blah. Because there it's a business too, at least in the Hollywood side of things. Yeah. And then on a personal side of things, it's like, to to validate somebody is very it's not very costly unless it's like your pride or ego you can validate someone else's experience and then add yours to it and totally. add other people it doesn't have to be a yes but it can be or no but it, it can be an inviting inclusive thing because that's ultimately ironically what we're seeking i think the mm-hmm. people's anger of like creating this otherness is this wanting to be included like i wasn't seen i wasn't and you're not you can't speak on behalf of me. Yeah. No one ever said that they were, bro. Like, why are yeah. you all mad? <laughs> yeah. And, and you know, that's um, two things I guess I want to add there is, you know, people always make these assumptions where if and this goes across all advocacy, not just the Asian American push for visibility and, and mm-hmm. representation. Um, w- people assume that if you don't speak their truth, you're denying mm-hmm. their truth. Yes. And I think we all need to start challenging that um uh like like gut reaction uh knee-jerk reaction is what it's called uh we need to start challenging that knee-jerk reaction that if someone doesn't speak our truth they are against us give them five minutes y'all like twitter only allows 170 characters you expect me to write a whole thesis including a deposition on your history after mine like give me a second you know and i i think that if we can come from a place where we're challenging our assumptions and say, wait a minute, did they actually say something to hurt me or have Mm. I made an assumption or an inference? And then the other thing I like wanted to touch on because, because you talked about it was like, you know, the, the improv theory of yes. And, um, I think another thing that people should use as a technique when, learning, navigating, communicating, advocacy, all of it, all of the processing steps um, is the left hand raise where, you know, I've introduced this to so many organizations I've led and been a part of where sometimes you genuinely don't know how to ask a question or how mm. to get information. So it's, mm. Sometimes it's because you're worried you're going to offend someone. Sometimes it's because you just don't know the words for things, you know, because mm-hmm. no one is omniscient and we all don't know everything. So yeah. I introduced the concept of the left hand raise. And the thing is, when you, when you say um, this is a left hand raise kind of question, it automatically tells everyone you genuinely want to know the answer to your question and you are not trying to make an assumption or an inference, or come Mm. from a place of prejudice. You just have an awkward question that you need help answering. And you would really like an answer that is also judgment-free. And the left hand raise has done beautiful things. Like I've had people um, who were, you know, I I was in a seminar where we were talking about gender identity and stuff. And we had, you know, speakers with us who represented different parts of the spectrum. And I said, you know, we might have a few left hand raises from people who just are not familiar with how to be advocates for your community, but they want to help. Um, right. So sure enough, you know, people were like, um, I have a left hand raise. Can I use this word X, Y, Z? 
when I'm speaking about your community to try and get people to understand. And like, if, if the person had not cushioned it with left hand raise, I think <laughs> they might have been like attacked. Um, because it was a very outdated term, obviously I'm right. not it, you know, and like, it, but it allowed everyone in that room to go, Oh, okay. Like that was not a hurtful thing. You just genuinely don't know. And then the person was like, thank you. It's not that I haven't wanted to speak out on your behalf. It's that I felt I didn't know how. So I right. just like, you know, like assuming good intentions or just like challenging our assumptions and attentions, but also like allowing people to ask questions and be like, well, if I'm of this heritage, you know, can I also speak on this? Can I, can I ask a question about your heritage? You know, and instead of seeing the different heritages and backgrounds that we all come from as, as challenges to each other, as somehow erasing one another, why don't we see them as complimentary? You know? Yeah, and absolutely. Like, in that way. As a piece of a, I love that. Sam, that's so helpful. I had actually never heard of the left hand raise, but like, that's real. I mean, if there was some universal way, if we can make that a normalized thing, right? To a way to signal, because I, I, I imagine there's so many people like that that want to contribute or ask a question or know where to start, but have no idea where or how. Mm-hmm. That's so helpful. Thank you. Yeah. For, I'm like, I want to like look into that. That would be, that's, yeah. I just, I appreciate. Everything that you have brought today, the things that you have allowed me to get off my chest. Oh, and I'm glad you did. Yeah, it's it's. Um, I'm telling you, this podcast is my, it's my therapy corner. Um, <laughs> and I'm just, I really hope that you continue to be outspoken and like, because there's so much more to, you know, it's not, it's a bumpy road. And I think you and mm-hmm. I both know that when we encounter the bumps, yeah, they can, they suck because oh, you're yeah. just like, it, it can be so discouraging. So I think... This is me requesting out into the ether. Like the more people that are willing to go into these uncomfortable spaces with that openness, with setting those intentions and being like, hey, you know what? Maybe I've been problematic. And like I've I still do. I'm not, I by no means have become some perfect woke person that oh yeah, well, I've said things off the cuff, things that are ingrained from my past version of myself. They're they're things to continue to work through. But if we can mm-hmm. be brave to get into that space mm-hmm. and then also give ourselves other people that grace of like okay maybe they just don't yes. know or there's a way to reframe that or there i think there's a lot of good intentions that are out there and this also this exhaustion that we have in terms of like yes we're sick of being othered you know like we need so to stop tired. doing it to each other it's like stop yes yes fully it's so unnecessary so mm-hmm. unnecessary so i just thank you for <laughs> spending this time and and for sharing your thoughts and inspiring this conversation because I think we're at a really I'll look at it in positive light we're at a very great opportunity in like terms of we're at people wise mm-hmm. I think this level of tiredness and like I can't I I will not deal with this anymore that is prompting a lot more people to be more bold and to be more like enough like let's yeah. stop this you know yeah. Yeah, I I hear you. And I I think I want to offer my thanks to you for having this platform for being willing to have these conversations. And like I said, you know, the more that we invite people in, the more stories we hear, the more perspectives we share, the better. And you know what, if this wasn't for someone, then that's okay. Again, the sun is still going to rise and set the moon is still going to wax and wane. It's all going to be okay. But maybe you might challenge a knee jerk reaction you have in the future. And if that's all some of y'all got today, I'm cool with that too, you know? For people, sure. People I'm are sure people and I'm all about that imperfection. So good. 
I don't say fa- it's like that concept of fail forward, but we're not failing forward. We're just growing. We're yeah. going forward. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, to close out my podcast episode with you, um, I ask a few questions of all our guests. Oh, okay. And uh, three questions, first of which is, what are you grateful for, Sammy? I am grateful for, oh my goodness, so much. But I guess if I had to pick one thing, it's people who are uh, willing to just talk, you know, whether it's about mm-hmm. serious stuff like this or fun things. I just love having conversations with people. So I am, I am very grateful for that kind of communication. Love it. What are you looking forward to? Oh, I am looking forward to, oh my gosh, my sister gets married in two months ah. and I am so excited for her. So I'm really looking forward to, like there's there's definitely um, dread as well because weddings are ridiculous and crazy, but I am very much looking forward to it because it's going to be a beautiful day for her and her partner. Love it. Uh, I'm excited for you guys and you guys look like you had a great time in Vegas. Well done. <laughs> we did. <laughs> Oh my God. <laughs> and um, last but not least, what would you like to leave our listeners with today? Oh, okay. Um, I would like to say address the real problem, not not your fellow sufferers, sufferees. Um, look at the things that challenge you in this world and and bring out strong feelings and really try to get to the history, to the root of what's going on because you can do it. You can tackle those things, even if they seem bigger than you, but just make sure you're doing it the right way and you're not creating collateral damage in your, in your Mm. journey to make things better. Mm. Well said. Thank you so much, Sammy. I appreciate you. And I'm so glad we got to talk. (laughs) Yeah. Have a great rest of your day and yeah, (laughs) have a happy anniversary. Give you love. Send send your hubby my best and congratulate him again. And yeah, I will talk to you soon. Yeah, see you. Have a great rest of your day and, and welcome back to your podcast after your break. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> thank you guys for tuning in for this week's episode, episode 178 with Sammy Jane, talking about a number of really important topics, including racism intra-racism, racial purity, so much there. Thank you, Sammy, for being such an incredible guest, for sharing your thoughts and being so open and thought-provoking for all of us to learn from. I hope you guys will follow along with her journey. Um, And yeah, check out her socials. All the links will be in the bio. And uh, if you enjoyed this episode, feel free to share it with a friend. And if you have any questions, comments, uh, whatever, feel, feel free to hit me up on First of All Pod at gmail.com and if you'd like to support the podcast in any way you can go to firstofallpod.com to check that out how you can support thank you so much to Marvin Yue my audio engineer and producer thank you to Priska my current producer who's just been helping me so much get back on my feet and thank you to Juliana Deer my social media manager love, is, love you guys so much I appreciate you thank you to my Patreon patrons thank you so much for your support and keeping the podcast alive and you can find, first of all, on all the podcast platforms on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Radio Public, and anywhere else that you find podcasts. And feel free to follow along on Instagram at First of All Pod, or you can follow me along uh, at Minjeezy. And yeah, 
I think that is it for this week. Next week, we have a really great episode talking about red flags and dating with Dia Frampton. So be ready for that because it's a great one. So much fun. Such a lovely human being. And our intro music this week was, of course, provided by Uzuhan, his song Uzu Trap. And this week's outro music, I'm bringing back my girl Ruby Ibarra to keep up the fiery vibes that I love so much between Sammy and me and this passion that we have in our hearts to move the needle uh, in a better direction. And we are closing out with Ruby Ibarra's song, A Thousand Cuts. I hope you guys enjoy it. Take care of yourselves. Be well. Love on one another and love yourself. I'll talk to you soon. Bye. Hey, Sharon. Hey, Remen. How are folks still racist? I know, right? We're like two decades into the 21st century. Yeah. And second question, where's my jetpack? Well, I can't help you there, but have I got a podcast for you. Modern Minorities is a show where each week, my longtime pal Remen and I uncover common and uncommon truths that we all need to hear for our majority brains and ears. Yeah, Sharon and I have spoken to doctors, lawyers, directors, climate activists, angry Asians, athletes, chefs, writers. Folks who are black, brown, gay, straight, and everything in between. Past guests have included comedian Margaret Cho, Southern Poverty Law Center journalist Geraldine Mariba, comics creator Jean Lun Yang, and many, many more. We've even talked about Ramadan, Black History Month, Kamala Khan, and Robin being queer. It's like we're trying to solve racism with the podcast. Challenge accepted. So check out Modern Minorities at modmypod.com or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Remember, we're all modern minorities, but we're no one's model minority. Modern Minorities.